Awesome. Welcome to the playground. So welcome, Greg. Thanks for being here. Really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. No problem. Okay. Okay. For those of you who don't know this world famous man here. <laughs> okay. This is Gregory Williams, uh, 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 leader and founder of the band Switch, of which I'm a, I'm a co-founder with him. Um, honored absolutely. to have you. Thank you, for, thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Okay. We're going to jump right into it. Uh, uh, I learned some things that, uh, from, like I spoke to Philip last week. And as I told you before, there are some things that as long as I've known him, there are some things I didn't know about him. Um, so going back to the beginning, like when you first started, what, what, what brought you, I guess, is trumpet your first instrument? Yeah, it was. You, obviously, you can see I'm, I'm talking to you like I don't know who you are, right? I, I, but I get it. I get it. We cool. <laughs> Think about it. When I worked for Rhino Magazine, I had to do the same thing. <laughs> so what, what drew you to the trumpet? Believe it or not, man, and, and it's a story that I rarely get to tell. Mm-hmm. My dad was a saxophonist, and I liked it, uh, the, 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 not that I got to hear him frequently, but the times that I did get to hear him practice and things like that, uh, I liked it. And I told him, I told him, I want to play that. Mm-hmm. He said, mm-hmm. I'll tell you what you do when you get to school, when, when they offer music in the school, tell them you want to play the clarinet. Mm-hmm. Well... Okay. I got the C right and the net right, but it wasn't clear at all. It wound up being core. So I wound up getting cornet. <laughs> and uh, those that are watching, you can see this is one of the reasons why I love this brother, because I mean, he'll go into a direction where it's like, wait a minute. And before I know it, I'm like, I can't hear anything he's saying after that because I'm on the floor cracking up. <laughs> I got the C net and the, re- and the net right. <laughs> I did, but nothing was clear at that time. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So, so I wound for... up playing the cornet. Uh, what? Uh, oh, the cornet. Nine years old. Okay, and... so you traded you traded one C net for another C net. Absolutely. Well, okay. <laughs> that's how I translated what he said to what I wound up getting to when I got there. Got you. Got you. Okay. All right. So, uh-huh. And I knew it didn't look like his horn, but it was a horn, so it was cool, you know? Got you, got you. And I actually You're... got to like it, too, after the first year or so. Uh, and I played it and wound up found up, wound up finding out it was in the brass family and whatever else was there. And I, the next evolution from cornet was trumpet. Mm, okay. okay. And I actually got good at that. Really? And now, how, how, old, how old were you when you started? Well, I started when I was nine. Oh, you started at nine. Okay. Yeah, okay. I started when I was nine. Okay. So did you do like uh, like the, the school concerts and all that? Uh, Eddie, and I never told, got a chance to tell you guys this. Okay. From like fifth grade until eighth grade, I was first chair, trumpet player. Wow, okay. I played, right. I played in From the fifth grade. band class. Uh-huh. Okay? I may have done a couple like sports games, but not many. I, that wasn't, wasn't me. By the time it got to sports and school, you know, I was playing in the bar. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> okay. But what I did get to do, Eddie, was this. My music teacher, Mr. Berry, mm-hmm. uh, I, like I said, I was first chair. So right. he entrusted me when he had to leave the room or whatever. Okay. He'd come back in the room, and I got the tuba, tubas playing the bass line, and the altos and the horn, and the trumpets playing the lead. And uh, the lower saxophone doing harmonies for Lickin' Stick by James Brown. It got to the point he would leave me, and when he'd come in back, he'd find that. Right. What he was doing, and he'd trip out. This was a white guy, and most of the students were black. Not all uh-huh. of them. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But I had them up in there jamming. 
<laughs> and uh, it got to a point when he come out, uh, when he come back, uh, he'd step out and he'd come back, and I'm doing that till finally, Williams, get out! I know it's you, <laughs> get out! <laughs> really, it's it's funny. I had a similar story, but mine was when I got into high school, uh, Fence Walk by Mandrill. Right. No, my first time writing out a chart for the band and all that stuff. Needless to say, there was like a whole bunch of like things that needed to be corrected in there. But you know, Mandrill, that was the thing, man. And I had the drums going, and the, and the, the tubers were playing that bass line and all that stuff. So that was my my first thing. Right, same thing, man. That was, that was the hot one. That was a, so so your your trumpet. Um, obviously, I, I, are you looking at songwriting then, or did that take where you got into the the, the keyboard, where you where you graduated to keyboard, or was keyboard there all along? No, keyboard wasn't because I didn't have one in my home. Mm-hmm. I had to learn keyboard everywhere I could at a friend's house and mm-hmm. at the school for until they kicked me off at a friend's house till they kicked me off in the store until they kicked me off. I was mm-hmm. always getting kicked off keyboards, bottom line, okay. but that's uh-huh. how I learned uh-huh. how to play it. Until, it- believe it or not, I really was able to concentrate when White Heat moved to Akron, Ohio, and I used to sneak up there and steal the room at Akron U, and nobody put me out. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. And that's where I got strong enough to say I could play the keyboard. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And songwriting? Yeah, obviously you were like doing songwriting then or songwriting ideas at least. The songwriting I was doing maybe about 15, 16 years old. I remember the first song I actually wrote. I was probably 15 years old. The name of the song is Love Drops. And I tell you what, <laughs> if you heard it, you'd probably drop a brick on me. <laughs> okay. But you know, the funny thing about it though, man, had I not written Love Drops, I'll call your name, would have never got written. Wow, or, or really? Some of the other things. I mean, honestly, because that one song is what made me think I could. And back then, uh, I thought it was a good song for a good few weeks anyway. And then I said, Love- enough. let me try something else. And it evolved that. And then at that point, too, Bobby and I had met, and we were just bouncing ideas off each other. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Now, do you do you remember any part of Love Drops? Or is that something that you chose? Yeah, I do, again? but that's another life. So. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay. <laughs> I do, I swear I do. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, real, God. Real, real quick, and uh, we'll focus on just just for a second, and we're going to get into your book a little bit later. But yeah, um, I read in your book that the actor part. You got to tell us a little bit about that. Oh, I did that for years, though. In did fact, you? Believe, believe it or not, I sang and, and acted in Christmas plays starting at five years old. What? So also by the time, yeah, and I was doing different plays in grade school, not mm-hmm. as much uh, in high school as I did in grade school. Mm-hmm. But then I had the opportunity, you know, uh, last year of high school or so, I had an opportunity, a friend of mine wanted me to play, believe it or not, play keyboard for her, play keyboard for her mm-hmm. when she auditioned for this play. Oh, it was wow. an off-Broadway play, The Me Nobody Knows. Uh-huh. So I go down to play keyboard for her, and her and the director, who was also female, uh, they, you know, like the personality and all that. Uh, they talked me in the auditioning. I auditioned and got the lead co-lead role. Wow. Okay. All a lot right. of people now, was would that... be surprised with who I got the co-lead role to, but my, the uh, the other co-lead was Jeffrey Daniel Shalimar. What? What? Now, had you known Jeffrey before that? Uh, obviously, yeah, I guess I, I'd known him before then, okay. but I mean, okay. but in bits and pieces. But when we got there, that's when we really got much tighter. Right, right. Yeah, and Jeffrey's character was Lloyd, and my character was Clorox in the Me Nobody Knows. We were the two lead characters. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Jeffrey was Lloyd, and you were Clorox. Clorox. What? And we were orphans. 
the net, the play was about some some orphan kids. Is that right? A bunch of yep. Now was this what, what what was the name of the play? Was this like a, a play? The that, me been, nobody knows. The me nobody knows. Okay. And it was okay, an off Broadway play. I mean, our company did not do the off Broadway, but it was an actual. In mm -hmm. fact, it was a Broadway play, mm -hmm. and there was an off Broadway company, but mm -hmm. my company was not the company. But anyway. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I um, mean, anybody want to find out about the play, they could Google it because I have. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. 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 Four, 50 cool. years later, I have. Yeah. Almost. That's excellent. That's excellent. So fast forward now to you know we're we're you know went through school went through uh, you you went to college then or was that later? I went to college after after high school. I mean. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then seventy two. I think I started school started school in in seventy two. That okay. didn't last long. I did seventy two. I did my I went through completely through my sophomore year and then got pulled out of it. Uh, was that the switch pull you out of that, or just the music career pulled you? No, out of Barry White oh, okay. pulled me out of that. Ah, okay, okay, you're right. okay, okay. Yeah. So Barry White got in the way of your schooling. Barry White got in the way of everything. <laughs> I knew you. Were, I knew you were going. There. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Barry White got in the way. Trust me. <laughs> well, that's a big old brother. You ain't got no chance but to get in the way. <laughs> I knew. I knew you were going there. I knew it. I knew it. But what was it like working with him? I mean, we, we, we've shared, you told the stories and all that, but what was it like working with Barry White? You know, it was really, it was tough, but it was good. You know, Barry, strangely enough, Barry took a liking to me. And I'd say strangely enough because Barry didn't really connect with everybody in the band like that. Him and TC mm -hmm. talked a lot, mm -hmm. you know, and me and him could like connected musically. I don't know whether he saw some, heard some or what with me. But yeah, he did. I know exactly what it was. He caught mm -hmm. me sneaking in the studio and watching him when I wasn't supposed to be in there. None of us were supposed to be in there. He was working on this song, and I liked the song. I was listening to it from outside, and he mm -hmm. was working on this song. So I went in, and I stood in the door, and he was still in there working on it, and he didn't tell me to leave. I don't think he saw me, so I snuck down to the front in front of the console where uh -huh. you don't see nobody. Where you don't see right. nobody. Right, right. And now, uh, as the song as the song ended, he uh -oh. said, "Yeah, I, you think uh, he said MFI? You think I don't see you down there? You're down there now. <laughs> Come on up here, let's talk about it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Wonder so what the, the song was, though, Eddie? What was it? Can't get enough of your love. What, darling? I can't get enough of your love, baby. That was oh, the song man. he's working on. <laughs> that's funny. I got to tell you, uh, the, you know, with the bands I play with here in town and all that stuff, that's the song that I least hate to play because every, I, 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 I said least hate, the least love to play because everybody in town plays that song. Everybody. Really? I can't get away from that song. Well, come on. A classic <laughs> is a classic is so a th classic. Thanks, Greg. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I'll never escape that song. So, so would you say that working with Barry was, was like, um, and like I said, you, you told us stories and all that. Was it? I wouldn't say like Barry, like a Barry White University kind of thing. I mean, did you learn a lot from him? The, the funny thing is I learned a lot watching him, but not from him. Because mm. again, the communication had its limits or whatsoever. And the times that we get to be around him mm. had its limits. Ah. I don't mean anything negative by this because I enjoyed my experience with Barry. No, but what I'm about to say is... I learned more what not to do than what ah, to do. Wow. At least on the business end. I, I was just going to say musically or business. Right. Yeah, at least on the business end. I learned a lot of more what not to do 
Not that he did a bunch of garbage or made a bunch of mistakes. He was just a hardcore businessman. There was very little passion in how he did business. It was straight ahead. And, uh-huh. you know. When you, when you say hardcore, was, is, that, is that in a good business way or, or bad business way? Or? Well, you know what? Just, just, just so you know, just, just so the audience knows, like I said, as far as the playground, that's kind of the reasons for the name. Because, I mean, you can go to the playground and you can have fun, but by the same token, we, we shared this, you have bumps and bruises on the playground as well. Fall off the monkey bars, slip off the slide or whatever. Right. So, and I, I want to share that side as well. So, right. um, you know, for those up-and-comers, they need to know, you know. <laughs> Yep. Well, with Barry White, it was watching because uh. <laughs> and what it was is this: we signed these contracts, man. That was just stupid, and it didn't mean nothing. We never got a royalty check. We never got a royalty statement whatsoever. Although mm-hmm. I think we got more records back than we printed up anyway. So, because mm-hmm. the record was that bad, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, mm-hmm. uh, the thing was is that it was all business. It was nothing personal. It was nothing, you know, there was very little warmth in the relationship. Uh, Of course, we young musicians and we out there with our heart in our hand and all we want to do is play music. Mm -hmm. And Barry done been there and done through that one. He done went on to some other stuff and all he want to do is make the money. Ah, got you. So Barry, to be honest though, in that statement, it's no different than Barry Gordy, no different than Clive Davis, no different than Mo Austin, no different than all the record major record labels in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Their objective is 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 money, and you it's are a, a product. And as mm-hmm. long as you're selling, they with you. And the second you stop selling or lose your appeal, they move on. Mm-hmm. You know, and products mm-hmm. in the record industry have a short lifespan anyway, unless you become a Michael Jackson or a Prince or something like. Mm-hmm. You have a short lifespan, mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. As, mm-hmm. as uh, this one young man said to his group in the early stages of the game, we better ride it for what it's worth because it ain't gonna last long. Right, good man. And I think I know the fellow who said that. The fellow who said that is, uh, lives in my mirror. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you talk with him every day. <laughs> I, I swear I do. Trying to duck him, but can't. He ain't having it. Right, right, right. <laughs> so. So, moving on. Hey, I have a quick question for you. Do you want a professional agency to handle all your video creation, syndication and monetization needs? We totally understand that new leads and customers are the lifeblood for any business. And if you're looking to grow or scale your business using video is definitely the best way to go. Here at Melrose 11, we specialize in getting you the results you need to help you grow your business by generating new leads, driving more traffic and closing more sales without breaking your bank. Did you know according to HubSpot having a well-targeted video on your landing page can increase conversions by up to 80%? Yeah, and up to 64% of users are more likely to buy a product online after watching video than by text alone. And that 92% of mobile users share videos with others. And 90% of users say that videos are helpful in their purchase decision-making. Incorporating video into your marketing and social media activity is no longer an option, it's an absolute requirement if you're looking for long-term success. Heck, it may even be essential for the very survival of a business. Here at Melrose 11, media truly is our passion. We create animated explainer videos, social teasers, catchy intros, full HD commercials, and even viewer interactive videos. So, if you're looking to elevate your brand, or attract more leads, generate more sales, increase traffic, or build up more exposure for your business, then you've definitely come to the right place. 
Our professional team will develop your video campaigns at an affordable price. With our fast turnaround times. And a quality of work that can't be beat. We look forward to working with you. Hey! First of all, I gotta say how proud I am to know this to know this book, to know this man wrote this book. And this is not no little bit book. I mean, look at this. This is serious. This is very serious. <laughs> Absolutely. Very serious. Wait a minute, because I, I always get it wrong, but I think I got it right. I've been telling people it's 556 pages, Eddie, but actually it ends on 547. Okay. <laughs> okay. So tell us a little bit about the book. Oh, well, the That's book your... is a story, uh, story of my life for the most part. It's my mm -hmm. autobiography, mm -hmm. but it's also the story of Switch in the early stages of the game through the Motown years, mm -hmm. basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. I was so blessed to remember all these many things that I That's the thing that got me, man, that you remembered all this stuff. I mean, and like you said, it's it's your life story as well as like the Switch story and, and everything else. But I mean, yeah, that you remembered. It, I did. And you know, fortunately, the, the book has been selling for a year now. It really is. Mm -hmm. And the re mm -hmm. reviews have been, for the most part, excellent. Mm -hmm. Of but course. there was some guy, you know, you always got somebody. I wish I could find him and slap him a couple of times. <laughs> but my consolation to that, my consolation was, well, at least he paid to have an opinion because he had bought There the book. you go. There you go. So, there you go. Anyway, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, he was saying, I don't believe he remembered all that stuff. I don't know who helped him write that. Well, let me tell you guys something. I, at 50 years old, went back to college to get a degree in English so mm -hmm. I could write this book. And mm. I wrote this book. And mm. I will tell you, there were a couple times when I got cold feet in the course of writing it because it took me, you know, I took my time. I did about five, six years. Mm -hmm. And I got a couple cold feet at the end of it a couple times uh, in writing it. So I pulled in an editor to kind of help me shape things up. Mm -hmm. You know, I was mm -hmm. questioning my own abilities. And uh, both times that I brought in editors, when they brought it back to me, it was their story. It wasn't mine. Mm. Oh wow! It was, in, it was in their words. It wasn't mine. Okay, okay. So you couldn't no. hear yourself in the book. So, so you, so you've corrected that. Yeah, I, I did it. I went back and I tightened it up and I did what I had to do with it to make it make sense. I fired them. They got my money though, but mm -hmm. that's okay. Mm -hmm. They keep the money. But you, I made it back. I was gonna say. I was gonna say you'll get it back. <laughs> yeah, I got back. You'll, but you'll I dove it. in. You know, I dove in and I wrote it and I because I made sure that this was my voice. Mm -hmm. And so whomever gets it. You're going to get the truth, the whole truth, and a few uh, minor errors and and, and, and <laughs> other mm -hmm. few things in there, glitches in there that right. ain't right, you know, right. graphical errors. But mm -hmm. that's all right, as long as you get the story, as long as you understand. When I stutter, when I repeat myself 16 times to get one word out, I'm stuttering like Jermaine Jackson or Arnie <laughs> Hayes. <laughs> that wasn't a mistake in my writing. I was stuttering for them. Okay. <laughs> got, you. got you. Got you. Well, it's very, very, very well written book. And and like I said, when I when I first saw Greg been talking about this for years, that he's been writing it and all that stuff, and he's kind of been writing it quietly that I know of, you know, because he'd talk about it and then you wouldn't hear anything for like months or years or whatever. Right. And then, <laughs> then next thing I know, I go for I go to L.A. for a rehearsal, and there's a box of these, and I can't tell you. And Greg knows how proud I was, you know. Absolutely. Oh yeah. I just, Absolutely. I, I remember that cover, and I'm like, man, look at this. And I, Wait a minute. I believe, now, I believe now, let me I tell your viewers. Copy. You did. You honestly did. Because let me tell your, your <laughs> viewers what, how Eddie reacted. 
Uh-oh. <laughs> we talked for a little bit. We're in the house, and I showed him the book, and we talk, and he complimented me, and he amazed at me, and then we move on to something else, and he'd stop in the middle and say, you wrote a book. Frank <laughs> <laughs> Williams wrote a book. <laughs> <laughs> and and the, thing, and the thing was, it was actually out. I mean, he actually had this, you know, as, especially in this business, you have a lot of talkers, you know, and all that stuff. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And, and next week it's going to be out. And then next week never comes and all that. Right. Like, actually talk right. about this and follow through. And this, and again, I keep reaching for it because like I said, I can't tell you how proud I am. This is awesome, man. This is really Thank cool. Thank you, sir. This is really Thank cool. Thank you. So as he said, you know, I'd interrupt him in the conversation, like, look at this. Look. <laughs> Look, <laughs> he did. That's what he did. So, congratulations on that. So, so for you, what is what is what is what is the next step? Well, I know I know yeah. Swiss is in there somewhere. I don't. I don't Let know. me say two things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, number one, if we can make it happen, come on. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. the thing of it is, is this: that book that I wrote, I had written so much for so long, and like I said, I second guess myself. Mm -hmm. Where finally, when it came to a head. I had so much stuff, I had to figure out where to stop mm, and mm. figure out where to stop and figure out where to stop. And as I'm telling you, the book is 547 pages. So you mm -hmm. got to know I was writing my butt off. Right. Well, it winds up that after I stopped, I was 186 pages into the second book. Because okay. I had all this extra stuff. You know, and there's so much life that I had lived beyond that, including managing El DeBarge and SWV. And working ah, on the magazine right, with Cynthia right, Horner right, right. and, you know, all that, going, being a part of Sugar Hill Records. And there's so much more of a career and so much life after that, mm -hmm. that now, you guys, I'm uh, more than halfway done with the second book. And the name of the second book so far, unless I change it. Eddie, can I be candid? Absolutely. Uh, with your people? Absolutely. The name of the first book is Switch DeBarge Motown and Me. Mm -hmm. The second book is Switch DeBarge Me and the rest of that. I believe I believe you too. <laughs> okay. So, so okay. While you were talking about like as far as far as like um, you had gotten to like 180 pages into the next part, um, and that's kind of gonna it's gonna lead me into like another question too. Your process as far as writing this book. Um, I know it could take hours as far as like what your writing process was before the book. And then I want to go back to the music part, like what your writing process was, what your writing process is as far as the music as well. Like when you write a song and the book, I'm sure that's a little, a little bit more complicated. What, what exactly would, what is that? Okay. The process of the book, first of all, was, I mean, is this like in, a, in spare time or, I mean, you, you know, it was spare time. It was made time. It was on a whim. It was being pushed by somebody. I had, when I went back, like I said, I went back to college. Mm -hmm. One of my professors, ironically, it was the strangest thing in the world because I'd never met this guy before in my life when I went into his classroom. And it took me going to two classes to actually, for me and him to have a meeting of the minds and find out that he was too, he too was a Grand Rapids boy. Oh, wow. What? And his, oh, his what brother, uh -huh. his brother, and I were friends, actually dated the same girl. When I left, uh, to, anyway, for years. I, I, anyway. She, was not, she was my girlfriend, and I left, and she wound up being his girlfriend, almost his wife, for years. Oh, wow. Anyway, so his brother and I were pretty close, and I had never met him. And why I had never met him, his brother lived his life in the streets and the, around the music and the stuff like that, and this mm -hmm. guy was a scholar. 
Mm-hmm. And as I said, he wound up being a college professor. Well, anyway, once we found out how close we were, we started hanging out. He'd come to my house. I'd come to his house. And uh, I told him that I came back to school to do a book. He'd say, well, have you started? I said, yeah. He said, you got something you want me to see? I said, no, not yet. He mm-hmm. said, you know what? I'll tell you what. Then I won't mess with you on your book as long as you promise to do my radio show. He was doing a radio show. An interview? Yeah. Okay. So I did the interview for He was on the college radio station, huh. uh, Cal State Northridge. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. So uh, I did it. I did his radio show and uh, we started talking more about, we did talk about the book and he said, I tell you what, why don't you talk to me about it? He said, since mm-hmm. we interview and why don't you talk to me about it? That mm-hmm. became a sort of a ritual. Him asking mm-hmm. me questions. I had the tape recorder on my tape recorder on hearing myself tell him all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's what actually prompted me to get more clarity in my stories. Because once mm-hmm. I heard myself play it back, I knew what was. I went. I wound up in the room every time. Mm-hmm. I wound up with the people I was with that I was talking about. I wound up in the restaurants or the studios, or, wow. and that's what helped clarify what I was writing. To talk mm-hmm. it out first and have these mm-hmm. recordings. And believe it or mm-hmm. not, I still got those recordings right here today. Do you really I got them all? Wow! Wow! That's excellent. So, and, but um, that's what that's what made it work for me to write uh, to talk it out and then go back and write it out. Oh, okay. Okay. It's kind of yeah. interesting though too, because uh, when Philip and I spoke and we would talk mm-hmm. about like when the three of us would get together, you know, we could be out to dinner and three hours later, <laughs> you know, and I remember saying at one of those dinners that we should have, you know, just, we should have a tape recorder sitting right there at one you of said that in Vegas. When we yep. were in Vegas, yep. it was October yep. 16th yep. of 2016 yep. when we did that thing at the <laughs> yep. Orleans. Yep. Whenever that go my together. memory, Eddie. That tell you my yeah, memory's no, good. See? Yeah. Yep. Yep. I know. Yep. You and Philip, how you guys remember all these dates? How you guys remember these dates kills me. You know. <laughs> so, so with that, and then your songwriting as well. How, how does your, your what's your process as far as songwriting? Come what may. Speaking, speaking of bumps and bruises, right? <laughs> for real. But it, uh-huh. uh, honestly, it is come what may. I mean, mm-hmm. I can come here and I Same sit here. on my piano, mm-hmm. and it'll come out. Same or here. I can be cussing somebody out and say something, yeah, I should tell you that again. And then I mm-hmm. write a song about it. Like, mm-hmm. this ain't fair and, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But it just happens, man. It's just, you know, it mm. just happens. A lot of, for example, uh, writing I Call Your Name with Bobby. Mm-hmm. We were sitting in the living room. We got the keyboard in the living room. He starts playing. I start singing. We start working. We just wrote the song. It just happens. Mm. You know? Mm. Mm. And I got to tell you, of all, of all the songs that Greg has written, Greg, I'm sure you know this, Without You in My Life, that is my jam. That's my cut. Thank you, sir. That's, man, that's... Thank that's you, it. sir. When, when you wrote it, I remember being in the studio as you were writing it, and as you were, I remember being there particularly when you were just like laying down the piano track and all that. There's so many things that I remember as far as like the good times that we had with Switch and all that, and that was definitely one of them. When that song was being born and watching it like, you know, grow and, and come to what it became. Great I song, thank you. Man. I had a few people ask me to redo that. I didn't get around to it. The one person that I wanted to redo it on was Angie Stone because that is her favorite song. Yeah. I mean, that we built a friendship on her loving that song so much because when I went over to Sugar Hill and started working in in '83, mm-hmm. she said uh, I was introduced to her. Joy Robinson introduced us. She said, "Greg Williams, you're not the Greg Williams that wrote I." She did say Greg Williams and Switch. You're not the Greg Williams that wrote Without You in My Life, are you? Wow. <laughs> Wow. Tickle wow. me, really. Uh huh. Uh huh. 
I said, yeah, you heard the song? She said, yeah, I listened to Switch. She said, but uh, that is my all-time favorite song. I tell you, of all the songs you've written, man, that's, that's, that's my song. That's Thank my you. song. So, so as far as um, those that are coming up in the business or whatever, um, and you have a lot of advice, I'm sure. And that'll probably, that'll probably be another show, too. <laughs> or, another, yep. or is that your third book? <laughs> yep. That, it's one of them. Come on, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what, what comes across your mind now as far as like, you know, advice that you would offer like to, the, to those that are up and coming in, in the business? You know what I've got, uh, and there's so much that I could share, you know, at any mm -hmm. given moment, but I've got mm -hmm. one thing that I say that's most important because a lot of talented people struggle with it when, you know, at various times in their mm -hmm. lives, they struggle mm -hmm. with it. And that is believing in yourself, believing that you can do this no matter what. Mm -hmm. Believing that there's a possible place for you, that there very could, there mm -hmm. could be a, a place for you. You got to believe in yourself, despite mama, despite daddy, despite everybody else. You know, hopefully in many situations, you got mom and dad support in everything you do, including the music. But even if you don't, because I'll be honest mm -hmm. with you, my dad could only contribute very little because he wasn't there. And my mom understood working for a living, even though she was a gospel singer, she never did anything. See, they didn't understand what I was reaching for because they had never lived on that side of, uh, of the street. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I didn't fault them and I didn't deem it as a negative, but that's what it was. They didn't. So I had to support Greg on all of this. Mm -hmm. I really did. I had mm -hmm. to look at that guy in the mirror who is so mm -hmm. famously kicking me in the butt sometime mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. But, and say, you got this, dude, you can do this. Mm. And once you, and I say that to you because trust me, obstacles, 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 pains, mm. you know, it's, it's, right. it's a difficult journey, you know, and a lot of people quit. A lot of people do some stupid stuff and don't survive it. You know, mm. you got to believe in yourself enough to say, okay, I'm not going to do that. Such as, and I'll just share a little tidbit. Please. In, uh, in my book, there's a story about my journey into a life of crime. Mm. Okay. Because mm -hmm. it was a part of my environment. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. a poor little ghetto kid. You know, it's either that or, you know, we didn't have nothing. So it's like, try to catch it where you can. I'm hanging out with some bad boys skipping school. These two brothers, one five feet tall, other twins, one uh -huh. five feet tall, other one six feet tall, Ricky and Vicky. Wow. I'm oh, hanging out with these cats. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. They like to break in houses and steal purses. Well, I'm hanging out with them, you know, these are my friends, and uh, a few times they do the stuff. I went around or I, uh, 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 they'd give me some of the money. Okay, well, of course, if they doing it and giving me the money, then I got to, uh, my turn's coming. <laughs> I don't do this kind of stuff. Uh -huh. So we talked me, and I say we, talked me into snatching this lady's purse. Uh -huh. Little old lady in front of the bank, she couldn't bend no more than five feet tall in front of the bank. Uh -huh. Well, okay, I got to do this because, you know, I got to pay my dues to the to the back. Right. I run and I snatch the lady's purse, little old lady, she snatched back. I oh, fall no. down. <laughs> she beat me with her umbrella. <laughs> you, I got a rant. This is not a TV show or a cartoon. This actually happened. I'm telling you the truth. It's in the book. It's in the uh, book. I wrote uh -huh. about it. I had to. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. I broke out and ran. Needless to say, that ended my life for crying. Uh, I wasn't cut out. <laughs> I was not cut out for it. You know, they got all these laws now with by different names. Uh -huh. Well, that was the umbrella law. It broke mm -hmm. me from <laughs> the umbrella law. <laughs> right. 
Great, great, great. <laughs> so anyway, awesome. but point being, I realized I wasn't cut out for that. I was cut out mm -hmm. for this. I was cut mm -hmm. out for music. Mm -hmm. So get the garbage out of your life and stick to your guns. Mm -hmm. You know, you you've go. got to build around it too. I do tell you that. But my most important thing to tell you is believe in yourself. And then second to that, if you can find somebody that believes in you like you believe in you, but ain't trying to do what you're doing, mm -hmm. meaning somebody that will take learn the business like you learn the music, and they will be your eyes in the back of your head. Very good. Because it's a rough journey trying to do it by yourself. It is. Very good. It's a rough Very journey, good. period, but more so by yourself. But the bottom line, those two things I think are, are key and important to mm -hmm. believe in yourself and then find a support team that's got mm -hmm. your best interest at heart as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, I was going to say I'm going to close on that. But first of all, let me mention, if ever you get the opportunity to have Greg Williams cook for you, take it. Take Thank it. you. This man <laughs> is like the chef of life. <laughs> I'm telling you. And that's not, I mean, it's, it's kind of spoken of like, you know, kind of like, oh, yeah, by the way. But I am here to tell you, if ever you get a chance to have Gregory Williams cook for you, please, please. That's awesome, Eddie. Please. And, and, and I appreciate and, you And of course, that. the popcorn is legendary. Everybody knows that. So anyway. <laughs> I appreciate you sharing that because I'm down here spoiling them in Georgia now. Of, of course, of course. Oh, oh God, I'm having <laughs> As fun. well, you should be down there, down there in Georgia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, Greg, thank you so much, my brother. I really appreciate you. I Absolutely. love you and best to you from, from here on out. You know, and of course, we're, I'm going to be right with you on that journey from, from, from here on out. Absolutely. So. We're going to do the darn thing. We rode in together. We're going to ride out together. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for, being, thanks for being on the playground with me. I really appreciate I've it. I've enjoyed. Thanks thank for having you. me. Thank you so much. All right, buddy.